When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Welcome into Purple Daily. Matthew Collar here. Hour number two will be Alex Boone. Courtney Cronin is not on today because she is legit skiing. So she is out on the mountains and maybe writing a little on the mountain about Dom Capers being here after an hour's worth of press conferences at TCO Performance Center and a conference call with Mike Zimmer. So we have all sorts of sound from that that we want to go through here in the first half hour. And then Chad Graff from The Athletic is going to join in our second half hour. Then after that, Alex Boone comes on. We'll talk with Bruce Gradkowski about the quarterback carousel in the NFL, and that'll be a show for you. So let's start it right off with Mike Zimmer and Dom Capers on what Dom Capers' job will be here, because Dom Capers is here. Like, Does anybody else find this to be kind of awesome, that the Vikings also love 90s football, and they just want to bring people from 90s football here, which is what I would do. So I was looking up Don Cap- Dom Capers, Dom, Dom Capers, uh, like his pro football reference, and it's just awesome. There's so many great teams on here that were so good and so fun on defense. 92 through 94 Pittsburgh Steelers defenses. Those teams were unbelievable. They ranked second, eighth, and second in points against. And some of the gem players, we could do a hot routes alone on just the amazing players who played defense in the 90s for Dom Capers. Chad Brown, LaVon Kirkland, Greg Lloyd, Rod Woodson, Carnell Lake, Kevin Green, Darren Perry, Joel Steed. Joel Steed. Okay, this could end up being the entire show. Jeff Zagonia. You're just going to list players that played for Dom Capers for two hours. (laughs) Love it. Oh, it's so great. Like... Somehow Jeff Zagonia played for Dom Capers in the 90s. And I am sorry to anyone under the age of about 34 because (laughs) Jason Gilden was also on the team. So great. And then he's with the Carolina Panthers when they first start as an organization. And just like the XFL is great, I also love the expansion teams. Doesn't happen very often. But when the Panthers and Jaguars came into the league, it was the best thing. Madden 95 had them, but they didn't have the players yet, so they just made every player amazing, which goes completely against 
all of the expansion teams ever in history. That they're Unless never it's amazing. The Vegas Golden Knights, but yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. That was weird. Uh, but the 95 Carolina Panthers coached by Dom Capers. Kerry Collins is a rookie. Frank Reich is the uh, is the backup quarterback. Sam Mills is there. Lamar Lathan is there, who we will mention a little later when it comes to the conversation about Anthony Barr. Um, but just like so many great names, Tim McHire, I'm sorry. If you played like Tecmo Bowl or Madden in the early days, You've got to think it's awesome that Dom Capers is here. And then, if you're even a little bit older, he was the defensive coordinator for Jacksonville when they were number one in points on defense in 1999 when they went 14-2 and with Tom Coughlin. Those Jacksonville teams with Mark Brunel, Fred Taylor, James Stewart, and on the defensive side, Tony Brackens, Kevin Hardy. Oh, man. <laughs> Everyone has shut off their radio, and I'm sorry for that. So let's hear from Zimmer and Dom Capers about what they're doing. Dom has been doing this for a long time. And uh, I know he's always had really good ideas in, in, in the pressure game uh, defensively. Uh, and so, you know, I just, I just wanted another idea guy, really. Somebody come in and, and uh, maybe have a little better way of doing things than we've done it in the past or at least uh, be able to say, you know, have you thought about doing it this way or that way? And then, you know, we all sit in a room and decide, you know, how we want to do things. But uh, I just thought with the experience that he has and, uh, you know, the number of things that he's he's done in, in his career uh, and basically he was doing a lot of the same things uh, in Jacksonville as he'll be doing here. Well I've been around a lot of different situations uh, and to me you, you know they're all a little different they're, they're all a little bit unique but uh, that's one of the things I look forward to working with Andre and Adam and and, uh, and uh, hopefully we can form a good team you know and I know that uh, we've got a guy as a head coach that really knows what he's doing on defense and, and uh you know, I've worked for offensive head coaches and defensive head coaches, and, and uh, there's always a comfort level when you're working for a defensive head coach that he's going to be very involved in what you're doing. There's a little Dom Capers for everybody. So, 06 Dolphins, if you were one of those, like Madden is becoming awesome around 06. Yes. Remember Jeremiah Bell? And the announcers would always have to be like, it's Jeremiah, not Jeremiah Bell. I'm getting that right. I'm not just saying it wrong. Uh, Zach Thomas, Channing Crowder, How about Vonnie Holiday, Kevin Carter. <laughs> so great. I want to interview Dom Capers about every player he coached from 92 to 2007. And then he's with Green Bay for a really long time. That's where you know him. And his defenses were really um, up and down. They were good when he first started there, and they won the Super Bowl with his defense in 2010. And then it fell off pretty hard, but... You know, they were mid-pack most of the time. Toward the end, they were really poor. And obviously they moved on. Excuse me, sorry. Uh, but they, they moved on um, from Dom Capers after 2017 and hired Mike Patton. And then Capers had been a uh, assistant with the Jaguars doing the same thing as he's doing now. Where will Daniil Hunter rank among the players that he's coached that you basically listed off for the first six minutes Ooh. of this program? He okay, so he's no Kevin Green. And Kevin Green's one yeah. of the great players in the history of the game. But he's probably ahead already of someone like Kevin Carter or Lamar Lathan. That's pretty good. What did Juli well, Julius Peppers would have played for him in Green Bay. So Julius yeah. Peppers is ahead of Daniel Hunter. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Maybe for our website, I should just make an all Dom Capers team. <laughs> Maybe I'll just do that. The all Dom Capers defense for the show. That will be yeah. the show today. It's just the all Dom Capers defense. Okay, <laughs> let me give you a real take on this. Right. Um, number one, it's not unusual at all. 
to take somebody who is no longer interested in being a defensive coordinator or that you don't really have a position to give them as a defensive coordinator and then you bring them in to just help out. And Dom Capers, for the longest time, I read you all those linebackers from Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. the LeVon Kirkland and, and all those guys, was the 3-4 type. Now, in the NFL today, there's no such thing as the 3-4, really. I mean, you might have a three-man front, but it's pretty rare that you've got four linebackers actually in there. Because everybody's passing and everybody's spreading it out, you saw it a little bit against the Vikings last year uh, because teams would need to put in a bunch of linebackers to try and slow down Delvin Cook or slow down the two tight end sets or the sets with the fullback. But usually you're talking about two linebackers and three men up front and maybe an outside linebacker that is much more of a pass rusher. So what Preston Smith or Zadarius Smith did, or you know, you might see this from Vaughn Miller would be an example of this, or Khalil Mack, where they only rush the passer, but technically speaking, they're a linebacker. So it's still kind of the same look as 4-3, but bringing in somebody who can help you out, who's had a lot of success, who might have some good ideas on defense, is a thing that makes sense, and it made sense for Gary Kubiak last year and ended up working out pretty well. And if you're taking some three, four ideas and transferring them over to the Vikings, number one is Anthony Barr, for sure. That Anthony Barr is being paid like an edge rusher, like one of the star guys who comes up with double-digit sacks in the league. He's going to have a cap hit that's that's over 10. I think it might be like 12 this year and $15 million by next year. So if you're going to stick with Anthony Barr, you have to get more out of him than they got this year. Uh, by pro football focus, he was a below average linebacker this year, Anthony Barr. He only rushed the passer 120 times, which was actually the second highest of his career. And he got 22 pressures, two sacks, seven hits by the pro football focus numbers. That's not really getting 12 to $15 million in cap hit out of a guy who has a lot of talent. And if Dom Capers' role, like, you know, my theory of having a coach mm-hmm. for every player, if his job was to coach the Vikings on how to use Anthony Barr better to get him more sacks, more pressures, then you should be all for it. Because I think that, and you're just putting together some pieces here. They didn't want to be super specific, naturally, about uh, Dom Capers' role and what he's going to bring to the table. But if you're really trying to just sort of put a few things together, I mean, at the right defensive end position is Everson Griffin, who might not be here. So how are you going to fill that spot? Well, you're going to draft somebody with a first-round pick? I don't know, because you got a lot of other needs. You need a left guard. You need probably a number 3 receiver. You need a safety. You need several corners. There's a lot of positions where that could go, and when you have Daniel Hunter already, do you want to spend that on a defensive end? Probably not. So then you're talking about how can you fill in the pieces of Fadi Adenabo or being able to have fronts, that use Anthony Barr up against the tackle or up against the guard or however you might decide to use him. And, you know, somebody like Lamar Lathan, 1990 to 1998, everyone, is when Lamar Lathan played. So let me just make this comparison. He was he was a big, like, lanky guy who ended up getting somewhere between 8 and 14 sacks after early in his career he didn't. Lamar Lathan played for Houston early in his career, and his first four years are zero sacks, two sacks, one and a half, and two. And then he goes uh, to Carolina, and he has eight and 13, and then you know he got old and retired. But it might be the same sort of deal. 
Kevin Green, even in Los Angeles with the Rams, was not the biggest pass rusher, and then he became more of a pass rusher under Dom Capers. Is the Dom Capers hiring another sign that Zim's going to have not going to be able to spend as much on the defense as he has on the past? Now with Dom Capers, they essentially have with the two co-defensive coordinators as their official labels. They essentially have four defensive coordinator minds on that defensive staff with Zimmer and Dom Capers, Patterson and Adam Zimmer. Is this another sign that Zimmer's going to be told you can't spend as much on the defense as you want because we have to spend on offense to help Kirk? So you guys are going to have to coach up these guys yeah, more? Yeah. No, I think that's part of it. That it might have to be, when he's talking about creating pressures, it might have to be more than just send four. Yeah. Because a lot of times they've been able to just send four and then blitz on third down. It might have to be more blitzing. And it might have to be more creativity because you're going to have young players at certain positions and you might lose some of your guys that you've relied on for so long. So that is the Dom Capers take. Now, Gary was also at the podium as well. And if uh, Courtney were here, she would be cheering. Gary, um, he talked about working with Kirk Cousins. Well, I think you got to give him and his teammates credit. I mean, uh, he played extremely well. Uh, had a lot of help around him. Uh, the guys up front, Dalvin, the way he played, uh, Diggsy, the receivers, Adam. You know, I mean, he got a lot of help from Rudy and good, a good group. So, uh, but I also think that uh, you know we worked really hard to try to figure out what we think he does best and how we could grow from that standpoint. I think the number one thing Kirk did last year, he got he got rid of the football, and it's hard in this league to get that mentality that the ball's got to come out, you know, for your team to be successful. So I think he took a step in that direction but now it's time for us to grow off of that and you know how do we get better he's in the prime of his career he's a good football player this is a good football team and the, and the better better he plays the better we coach you know the further we have a chance to go in this in this business so we'll keep pushing on that but he's definitely doing his part man i just love how many times they say football this is so great like this is a good football player it's a good football coach it's a good football team it's a good football running back of football it's awesome um Kirk Cousins last year, this speaks to the Gary effect. If you go through Gary Kubiak's history as an offensive mind, play action has always been a big part of it. Just at random the other day, I was watching uh, an old Denver Broncos-Jacksonville Jaguars game in the playoffs, and one thing I noticed was, yes, they gave it to Terrell Davis all the time, like every other play. But the plays that were not given to Terrell Davis were all play actions. This is something that throughout the history of football has just worked and worked and worked. And defenses have not figured out a good way to stop the Kubiak and Shanahan style play actions. Last year, the only quarterbacks who had higher passer ratings with play action were Gardner Minshew in sort of limited duty. Um, Actually, that's surprising. Gardner Minshew threw the football a lot, the football last year. Um, didn't use a lot of play action because of John D. Filippo. Hmm, weird. Uh, but he had great numbers in play action. Drew Brees and Ryan Tannehill. Those are the only guys who had higher passer ratings than Kirk Cousins last year. 129.2. 14 touchdowns, two picks for Kirk Cousins and averaged almost 10 yards a throw when using play action. I mean, that's the Gary Kubiak effect. And when you look at how much it was used, he was up at the top sixth most in terms of play action usage. And ahead of him... Garoppolo, Mahomes, Jared Goff, who's with Sean McVay, obviously, and then Lamar Jackson. So a lot of the better quarterbacks and a lot of the better schemes are using play action a lot. And that's where when Kubiak talks about having the best year of his career or getting the most out of him, playing to his skill set, this really works. Now, the question, of course, is can you ever do enough? Because when push comes to shove, you can't just play action your way out of things. When it's third and 15 in the Super Bowl 
and you need a 30 or 40 yard throw to Tyreek Hill, you can't play action there because they realize that you have to pass. So you can't fool anyone. You just have to make the throw. And that's where Cousins has had his problems. It's not just his running and his escapability. It's sometimes there just needs to be a big-time throw out of the shotgun on third and long, and a lot of times for Cousins during his career it hasn't been there. But I think they can repeat what Cousins did. It's the idea of getting him to another level that I would question. So everything else around you, as you mentioned with bringing in Dom Capers, everything else around the quarterback has to be really, really good. And Delvin Cook can't get hurt. And Adam Thielen... I mean, against the Lions, you know, he could get hurt, and with, you know, Washington or something, he can. But if he's slowed down against San Francisco, that can't happen. So you have to have a lot of things fall right into place uh, if they are staying with Kirk Cousins. And Kubiak, because he's old and wily, did not show his hand anyway in terms of how he feels about Kirk as a long term quarterback, just about getting the most out of him in 2020, which, uh, even though we talked yesterday about trading him to a bunch of different places, Probably not going to happen. He'll probably be the quarterback in 2020. Uh, co-defensive coordinators, Jonathan. I can't say that I've heard this one before. No. I mean, I don't remember it happening. No. Andre Patterson. Let's hear from him. Adam and I have had great communication in the six years that we've been together. Uh, when Mike called us both in and asked us would, would we consider doing this, um, you know, Adam and I got together and talked a lot of things through. And uh, I think it's going to be a great thing uh, for our players and for our defense uh, and for the Minnesota Vikings. So I have no concerns about it whatsoever. Andre Patterson has earned the bleep out of this job, by the way. He has been at the center of the development of a ton of different guys on the defensive line, and most notably would be Everson Griffin. When he arrived, Everson Griffin was a part-time pass rusher, no more well-known than Afadi Adenabo, and now he's a superstar who's in the Pro Bowl every year. And Daniil Hunter, same thing, is setting records after being a guy who was a third-round pick, and then even someone like Afadi Adenabo, where you see them develop, Jaleel Johnson, players like that, getting better and better under Andre Patterson. He really earned this, and he's going to share it with Adam Zimmer, who's been on the staff for a very long time. And what that sort of leaves it open to is where do you go from here on defense? Because Zimmer this morning on his conference call talked about how he wasn't super pleased with some things that happened last year. Now, what I attribute that to is your cornerback that you love so much did not play uh, good at the football. That was what happened. That Xavier Rhodes was extremely responsible for a lot of the yards and a lot of the points that you gave up because opponents could just attack him for the entire game. But also the lack of an interior rush was part of it too. And I'm sure that's another area they want to look at. But uh, in terms of how much this will change things, I don't get the idea it's a ton. But Mike Zimmer was asked this morning about uh, whether he'll give up play calling to either Andre Patterson or Adam Zimmer. We're still in the process of all that. We'll we'll figure all that out as it goes. Um, I can always call the plays, um, but you know we'll just see how it goes in the spring. You know we've we've got a, a plan that we're going to stick to, and then we'll just see how it goes. And if I feel like the best thing for the team is for me to call the defenses. I will, and if I feel like it's not, then I won't. I don't really have a take on this on whether Zimmer should call plays. I mean, he's pretty darn good at it, I guess. And if he was botching game management all the time, then I would say, dude, give up your play calling. Let Andre Patterson handle it. He knows the defense. He's been with you for your whole career. So let it go. 
but it hasn't really been an issue. This is something where Zimmer will make a mistake a couple of times a year, and Twitter will just implode with, he's old, he doesn't know what he's doing, he loves punting. But when you actually look through of uh, you know the... Uh, the numbers in terms of how often they go for it on fourth down, how aggressive they are, compare the expected points added and all those sorts of analytics that you can use to decide whether it's a good decision or not um, for them to go for it. Usually Zimmer's pretty good at it. I don't think that he loves punting. I, I do think that he likes to be a little bit more aggressive with whether he goes for it or not and things like that and is more of upper third as opposed to lower third. He's not John Harbaugh where he's going for it all the time and being super aggressive, but he's also not doing what Mark Tressman did in the XFL the other day, which is kick a field goal down 17 when in that league that's a two-score lead. Um, so, I, you know, if Zimmer wants to keep calling plays, then okay, then that is what he should do. Um, all right, the biggest picture here in, in terms of this entire thing, you're bringing capers, you're keeping Kubiak, you're basically – Sending the message that you're mostly running it back with a few tweaks is what you're really saying here. That means you have to use these players and these coaches that you have. It doesn't scream radical changes to get over the hump and get to the Super Bowl, which I think a lot of Vikings fans, when they hear that, go, sure, yeah, right? Um, But Gary Kubiak talked about that and what it actually takes because that man has been there and he has the rings to prove it what it actually takes to get over the hump in the playoffs and get to the Super Bowl. The only way I know how to get over the hump is keep going back to the hump. You know, you got to be got to be good enough to get there every year and you know, find a way to be playing in January and uh you know, I used to always preach to my team say the bottom line, can we can we get ourselves in and then we can can we play better than anybody else for one month? And uh that's what this league boils down to. A lot of good coaches, a lot of good players very fine line between being really successful and being successful. So I think we're all searching for that, but we'll work toward that and uh, stay committed each day and try not to get ahead of ourselves. Same, Gary. Same. <laughs> try to stay ahead of ourselves. Yeah, I mean, look, it's if you are a Viking fan and you want them to do something crazy, if you want them to trade Kirk or trade up for Tua Tugaviola, or trade digs for a left tackle, whatever it might be. If you've got crazy ideas that are super fun, like me, I like to look at every possible outcome. Last year we were talking about Antonio Brown. That didn't work out. Um, so sometimes it can be great for you. Sometimes it can blow up in your face when, when it comes to being risky. I don't get the sense that anything about this team says we're going to be risky. Now, that is not them speaking for the front office, but Zimmer and Capers and Kubiak, they have all have to have a sense of where this is going. Like, if you're Gary Kubiak, you're probably not taking the job unless you have a feel for what that might mean, for where you might go uh, with your offense, for who's going to be your quarterback. I mean, he accepted the job in a day and a half, he said. That basically, Zimmer came in right after Kevin Stefanski left and said, Gary, the job is yours if you want it. He thought for a day and a half about it and then said, all right, I'll take it. If Zimmer said to him, uh, yeah, Gary, we're actually going to trade for Cam Newton. <laughs> like, I mean, I just I feel like if there were crazy things on the horizon for this team or, or all sorts of wild changes, especially at the quarterback position, that maybe there would be more hesitancy from Kubiak. But he knows who his quarterback, I think, is going to be in 2020 and would be stunned if it's anything else. 
And in a way, it's exciting for you to have Gary Kubiak because of his history of getting the most out of quarterbacks and what they did with Kirk Cousins last year. But there's probably another part of Vikings fans who look at this and go, yeah, all right, well, 9-7, and seven, you know, 10-6, and six, we'll see. It, and, and there's something to be said for what the Wolves did of just blowing up the entire roster and trying something different. And I could say from watching last night's game, uh, it was fun. <laughs> they certainly shot a lot of threes uh, and lost by whatever it was, 11. But they decided that what they were doing wasn't enough and they were going to blow it up and they were going to take a big swing. And it might not work. Carl Anthony Towns might not be enough. And those guys they put around him might not be enough. But at least you can look at it and go, they, uh, it wasn't for lack of trying that they came up short. And for the Vikings, their trying is bringing in these other coaches to try and strengthen the coaching staff and keeping Gary Kubiak to keep this strong system in place. But I, I wonder if it just means, yeah, they're going to draft a defensive tackle in the first round and they're going to plug that guy in and be happy about him and lose Everson Griffin and sign a left guard or something. You know, Does it mean that it's going to be the status quo offseason that they brought in capers, moved up Andre Patterson and Adam Zimmer, two guys who've been around for a long time, and then kept Kubiak. And if it is, well, one, uh, not as fun for the show if there's not crazy moves. But also, I, I think there's probably a feeling of, we've done this already, though, haven't we? Um, and that's not to degrade the people who are going to be coaching. Because they're very, very good and, and proven coaches, and Kubiak is about as respectable of a guy as you get for production on offense. But when he talks about, well, you just got to get in and then see what happens, well, that's not really true anymore. You got to really have a top five offense and you got to have a one or two seed. So if you're not doing something to get to that spot, then you're probably talking about a little more of the same. So let's talk uh, with Chad Graff of The Athletic and see if he kind of agrees with that take and, and break down. Every element of Kubiak at OC, Capers as senior assistant on defense, Andre Patterson and Adam Zimmer as the co-defensive coordinators. We will do that when we return. You're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. Hey there, it's Phil Mackey for Federated Mutual Insurance Company. And Federated is here to give business owners out there peace of mind. You pour your life and energy into a business, and the last thing you want is for something to happen that puts you on the defense. And that's where Federated comes in. Based in Owatonna, Minnesota, over a century of experience in standing behind business owners. If you're a business owner and you want some more peace of mind, go to federatedinsurance.com to find out more about your local federated marketing representative. Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download. We'll get you back to Purple Daily in just a moment. But first, join Score North's Rami Maklov and Team KSTP at this year's JDRF One Walk to create a world without type 1 diabetes, Saturday, February 22nd. Join our team or donate to Team KSTP over at scorenorth.com, keyword JDRF. Gary Kubiak, as we mentioned in the first segment, had his introductory press conference as the new offensive coordinator and was asked, there's any hesitancy about jumping into that role, jumping in 
to daily coaching again. Here's what he said. I wasn't hesitant at all, uh, honestly. It's just I think it, the circumstances were interesting how they took place. You know, I mean, for uh, for me to be here, first off, to be a big part of the group of guys I've coached with for a long, long time. And then, uh, you know, I, I get here, we put a system in place, we go to work, we do a job throughout the course of the year. And then, you know, one thing changed. One guy got a head coach coaching job. So, you know, for me, it's very familiar. I know, you know, I didn't have to go back to work a month ago and say, start over with a new group of coaches. We're way ahead. We can go right back to work and try to make up some more ground here. So I think all those things together kind of a little fuel to the fire, so to speak, and made it easy for me to say, you know, Zim, I appreciate the opportunity and I'm looking forward to it. That's been your score on our download. Now back to Purple Daily. All right. Thank you, Jonathan. Matthew Collar here, and we welcome into the show from The Athletic, Chad Graff, who is still recovering from a full hour of press conferences this morning. What's up, Chad? Just made an extra coffee, so uh, the rebound is coming together okay. (laughs) At least we were provided chicken um, (laughs) to to bounce back. I'll give the Vikings this. They do know how to to get the media out with catering Chick-fil-A. Yeah, no, I was hoping for a little wild rice soup, but I'll I'll take it. Um, (laughs) So, Chad, just before the break, I, I was talking about how this feels very much like run it back that there's lots of fun scenarios with free agents and trades and and all sorts of things that we can go through. But when you see Dom capers up there and Gary Kubiak, and we hear from Mike Zimmer on the phone this morning, it's really hard to convince me that we're going to get a wild off season from the Vikings. I I think we're looking probably at much more of a status quo. They're going to look at the needs. They're going to try to fill them the same way they usually do. And then they're going to run this thing back with the same offense, a defense, Defense with some tweaks and see if it works. I think that's exactly right. And I think that probably aggravates a lot of fans who, you know, even when you look at Dalvin Cook, where I think, you know, in week nine or 10, a lot of fans are saying, we got to sign this guy right now. How are we not extending him? This is the perfect guy to extend. And then, you know, of course, he deals with some health issues at the end of the season and, and raises some eyebrows from fans. But I think just like, uh, what they're doing with the coaching staff. The Vikings are probably going to run back a very similar roster or as similar as they possibly can uh, with their salary cap constraints. I think a lot of fans are looking you know, at all of these fun websites and things they could do. Could they trade Kirk Cousins to the Chargers and then bring back Teddy Bridgewater? Could, could they somehow find a way for Tom Brady to come here? <laughs> yes, this is the time for fun off-season things like that, but I think the reality is they're going to run back pretty much the same coaching staff and pretty much the same roster. And their argument for that is, hey, both were you know, probably top 10 in the league, and we just need a few other things to go different, and maybe it'll work out for us. Right, and that's kind of been the way that they've looked at this entire Mike Zimmer era is, oh, we've got it right, we just need things to work out for us. But when you think about the quarterback position and salary caps now, it's it's sort of a funny formula, Chad. It isn't um, how much you've accomplished and then you get paid for that. It's more of, are you a top 15 quarterback? If you check the box of, yes, you just get $35 million. <laughs> and, and and that makes it really difficult, I think, for the Vikings going forward here. If they're going to sign Kirk and they're going to stick with Kubiak and they're going to stick with Zimmer and the same front office and, and keep running it back year after year, I think it's going to be difficult to really gain any traction. And maybe you get one more shot like you had this year where you're a playoff team and you win a playoff game or something like that. I mean, I, I think that staying with the status 
status quo is just as risky as making moves that we would call risky. And I think part of what has to be frustrating for a lot of fans is that part of the rationale for bringing everything back and running it back and having Gary Kubiak as the offensive coordinator is that, as Mike Zimmer said, he feels like it brought out the best in Kirk Cousins. This was the best season of Kirk Cousins' career. And if I'm a Vikings fan, I think I'm probably a little perturbed by that. Like, this was, uh, on the one hand, I think you're looking at it and say, yes, this probably was the best season of Kirk Cousins' career. His October was, you know, almost top five MVP worthy. And yet, when you take it in its totality, like, the best season in Kirk Cousins' career got you smoked in the divisional round of the playoffs. Right. It, it didn't do anything for you against uh, your biggest rival in the Green Bay Packers. It didn't do anything for you in Chicago when he faced a defense that could really rush the passer. So, yeah, I think by running it back, you're probably an above-average team again. You're probably a team that's going to fight for a wild card and maybe if things break right, a division title, but also the best in your quarterback didn't get you very far. And and part of, you know, this has been well broken down and and there are not a lot of other options for them considering it's a fully guaranteed contract, but uh, it just feels a little bit weird to say, let's run it back and hope that things break differently. Right. And so now here's my question though, Chad, because Gary Kubiak, he's wily. He doesn't show his cards. Right, because he's been around for a long time, and he'll finish your question before you're even done answering it. That's how long he's been around. And uh, now Kubiak, in his history, has moved on from a number of quarterbacks with an attempt to upgrade. And you go back to Denver and Brian Greasy, and they go out and get uh, Jake Plummer after that. And I wonder if, with Kubiak he would look at this situation and say, all right, for 2020, let's try to get the same amount onto Kirk and hope that it works. Well, we've got a lot of these good players that are still under contract, and we could fill some of the other spots if we you know, cut this guy, add this guy, and so forth. But I wonder if you were sitting next to Gary in the bar, and you just said, so what do you really think? Do you really think? Because there was a, there was a subtle criticism that was thrown in there about Cousins of, well, you know, he got rid of the ball this year as opposed to last year. And I thought, you know, I like." This, this sort of thing can't elude Gary Kubiak that there are some fundamental issues that keep you away from being able to go deep in the playoffs with this quarterback. It, it was a little weird when when asked why this offense, why Gary Kubiak's system brought the best out of Kirk Cousins. His answer for a veteran two-time Pro Bowl quarterback was, well, he got rid of the ball. That, that did jump out a little bit to you. Mm-hmm. But I think part of what makes this so tough for the Vikings is that Kirk Cousins does have a little bit of leverage here where he can go to the Vikings and say, hey, I'm in the last year of my deal. This is when we renegotiate. And, you know, if you decide not to, perhaps I'm going to be more inclined to go elsewhere. And I'm sure there are some fans that would say, great, that's fine. You you can certainly go elsewhere. Uh, but uh, I just don't know how much of this is going to be Gary Kubiak's call to make. It'll be interesting to see how much say he has. Uh, but the Vikings are entering, you know, I, th- I still think it's a fascinating offseason, even given the few moves that they can reasonably make given their salary cap. The fact that they've got to make decisions that are potentially unpopular, potentially extending Kirk Cousins, potentially uh, paying a running back when many around the league are saying this is not the time to be paying a running back. So 
I do still think there are some interesting moves or decisions that the Vikings have to make. And before I, I get to some of the other things that we saw today, including uh, Dom Capers, in, in which earlier in the show I just read great players that played for Dom Capers. Um, if you missed it, you could podcast it for free, by the way. Uh, so, <laughs> Chad, uh, what, what, what do you think of the Stefan Diggs thing? Um, because I think there's smoke where there's fire, fire where there's smoke, however that goes, with Diggs. And the week four thing of skipping practices to send a message is, is more like uh, the black cloud sort of going away for now but could come back pretty quickly. And I don't suspect that he's super happy. But I also have a really tough time seeing this team being like, okay, yeah, we'll just trade him. I mean, that 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 just it's very hard to see with how much he's produced here as a Viking. He is coming off of the best season of his career. And on the one hand, I think I often look at it like a star player doesn't often skip a couple of practices, get fined the price of a house, <laughs> and then, you know, just go back to life being perfectly fine. Um, on the other hand, why on earth would the Vikings trade Stefan Dix? Right. He's uh, a future star, one of the best route runners in the entire NFL, if not the best route runner, great at contested catches, great hands. He is what every team wants, and he's on uh, a pretty team-friendly contract going forward. So I think the Vikings would have to have a, a great return for it. And I was even just looking at the numbers today. If they traded him before June 1st, they would actually take on more dead money than they would uh, in cap savings. So even if a trade happened, I think it would probably be after June 1st. Otherwise, the Vikings would have to get a heck of a haul. Uh, so I just don't really see the Vikings in a spot to do that. Now, perhaps if they come out and really struggle and Stefan Diggs is unhappy and skips practices again, and this whole storyline is being run back again in 2020, then Maybe they look at a trade midseason, but for now, I I just don't really see it happening, largely because I don't think it would happen until after June 1st. And if it didn't happen until after June 1st, you're not, the draft picks that you would presumably get in return wouldn't be coming uh, until the following draft after that. So I just don't really see it happening right now. But at the same time, I think that it's worth recognizing that for at least portions of this season, Stefan Diggs was not happy with the way things were going in Minnesota. Yeah, for sure. Now, when you say about the June 1st thing in 2021, it does ping in my mind a little bit of, hmm, stacking draft capital when you might need to draft a quarterback, eh? That might not be a terrible idea for the uh, the Vikings if Kirk isn't going to stay. Uh, let's talk about co-defensive coordinators. Like, you get, you, you know, you get your co-hosts, co-pilots. They have co-defensive coordinators now here in Minnesota. Um, you like that, I guess? I mean, I, I don't know what to make of it. <laughs> They've got co-defensive coordinators with probably neither of them assuming play-calling duties, which may be the weirdest part of this. Like, we've seen co-defensive coordinators before, but these are co-defensive coordinators when everyone also kind of knows that Mike Zimmer is basically the de facto defensive coordinator. He's the one that's going to have final say in all of this, so... It, it is all a little bit weird, I think, especially that both co-defensive coordinators will still coach their positions. Andre Patterson will still be the defensive line coach. Adam Zimmer will still be the linebackers coach. It, it in some ways, I think, feels a bit like a promotion in title only, but at the same time, it also sounds like they're going to have a little bit more responsibility in working with Mike Zimmer to come up with the scheme, but 
Uh, I would, I think at this point, unless Mike Zimmer eventually signals that he's ready to give up play calling duties, I still kind of look at it as they're just, you know, the associates, they got a raise and a promotion, and this is still Mike Zimmer's defense. Mike Zimmer, the one calling plays and coming up with the scheme. And, and I wonder if Andre Patterson had an itch to be a defensive coordinator and would maybe at some point consider leaving to be a defensive coordinator. So they would want to give him a promotion to make sure that he stays here where he's been so successful. But that's only kind of speculation. One thing that's fun about these, Chad, is that they never really tell us what happened, like how Gary got here or how Dom Capers got <laughs> here. So we just get to guess. It's, it's like a classic sort of sports thing to do of like, we're only going to give you half the information. You guys have fun with the rest. Um, speaking of. Uh, it's such a strange thing to be secretive about, too. Like, yeah. it's a standard question every time these guys come. Like, hey, how did this all come together? And it's like, well, you know, I got a call and we talked about it. And here I am. I've, I've been having fun the last couple of days in the coaches room. Like, wait, wait, what? That. That's not an answer to the question. Right. Yeah. Dom Capers was just driving by and someone said, is that Dom Capers? And then he came in and designed a great three, four blitz. And they said, why don't you just stay? Um, that's because he's an ideas guy. That's, that's right. Oh boy. Um, what do you think? Of, I mean, Dom Capers is here. This is the oldest coaching staff in history. And, uh, I mean, I, it's again, it's, I think it's like a hard thing to come up with a take on is, is, well, it says more of, yeah, Zimmer cares a lot about his defense, wants to get back to being a top defense. And maybe the thing that it says, Chad, is admitting you have a problem is the first step. And last year they had some problems on defense and bringing in Capers is a step toward acknowledging that. I don't know exactly what the take is, but I think it is kind of interesting and worth noting that while the rest of the league is looking for Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan, hiring people like Zach Taylor in their 30s who have only been a passing game coordinator, uh, Kevin Stefanski getting a job, all of these teams and owners and general managers are looking for sort of a young hotshot, so to speak, and the Vikings are rolling out like all of the coaches if you've been in the NFL for more than two decades, now is the time to apply to the Vikings. They've got uh, Mike Zimmer and Gary Kubiak and Dom Capers and Andre Patterson. And Andre Patterson even, you know, by the way, I would rarely recommend fans to listen to press conferences. Go listen to Andre Patterson's press conference. Yeah, He's great. outstanding to listen to. But even just, you know, when you think about the Vikings having older coaches, he was joking, all these younger coaches, the power could go out and they wouldn't know what to do because they – couldn't use their computers to watch film and stuff, and I'm up on the whiteboard drawing out plays and stuff. So it's fun to listen to him, but it is, I think, at least worth noting that while the rest of the league is looking for young hotshots, the Vikings aren't going with experience and guys who have been around for a long time. Right. They called other guys, but they didn't answer their rotary phones. That was the issue. Uh, so, <laughs> um, last thing for you, Chad. I, I wonder if it, if it does get a little wild here, if they do something bold, where, what area do you think it would be? I mean, would it be Zimmer's defense getting a little bold, spending some cash on, I don't know, Chris Harris or Byron Jones or trading up for a quarterback? Like, what is the most likely bold thing that could happen with this team in the offseason? Let me know if this counts as bold enough, but I do think it would be a little bit bold if Zimmer decided to go sort of scrap the pieces on the defense and go completely young swap out two players on the defensive line and Everson Griffin and Linval Joseph, swap out you know almost all of the secondary and start saving some money and replacing these guys with younger players, with draft picks, with 
uh, players already on the team like Afadi Adenik, though. I wonder if, you know, given they've got these co-defensive coordinators now and Dom Capers, if, if he feels like he can still bring out a top-five defense, even if they lose some of these pro bowlers, because they're going to have to make some concessions somewhere. You know, yeah. you can look to the offense a little bit if you play hardball with Dalvin Cook and say, go ahead and hold out, but we're not paying you, or if you decide to replace Riley Reef, But Mike Zimmer is probably going to have to work in a number of new defensive starters, maybe even up to five. So uh, I'll be curious to see if he's willing to do that, and if he is, then how it works out. I'm going to say yes, that that does go under the category of bold, because when he trusts one of his guys, he seems to stick with it, even to a fault, as we saw with Xavier Rhodes. And and then he even tried to half-play it by having a cornerback rotation. Like, okay, I mean, (laughs) the guy is one of the five worst corners in the league this year, and you still can't fully acknowledge that you want to put a bullet in that situation. And yet... Um, you know, here we are saying, are, are they going to put in Adenabo and not re-sign Griffin? It just seems like they really want to run back a lot of the same things. So we will see, Chad. This will not be the last time we talk about it. I, I appreciate you taking the time to come on and uh, have that extra cup of coffee, man. <laughs> of course. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks, Chad. Chad Graff of The uh, Athletic. He has a podcast that you could find at The Athletic. I don't know what it's called, but it's at The Athletic. And... He also writes a lot of very good articles there at their paid website. Ours is free, though, so. <laughs> uh, they do I'm great. finding the name they, of that They do great work you. at The Athletic. Uh, oh, uh, it's, um, it's Straight, straight cash. cash Podcast, right? Yes. Because, you know, straight, straight Cash mm-hmm. homie, Randy Moss. Is it bold to say that they would have to transfer over to the younger guys on defense? I mean, doesn't it go even more against the idea? I can't decide. If it goes more against the idea of young guys to have Dom Capers here as an extra coach and Andre Patterson as your defensive coordinator, Patterson is really good at development for younger players, and we've seen that. And Afadi Adenimo is a great example. The guy had seven sacks last year. He was cut twice by this team and, and then continued to develop under Andre Patterson and eventually becomes a significant player. But when you're in a window still, or at least you think so, I don't know if I think so, but they certainly do, that you're in a window to get over the hump, as Gary was talking about, and potentially you know, go to a Super Bowl is, is how you view it and how your front office views it. Are you really going to turn it over to, all right, Chris Boyd is now a starting corner, and... Mike Hughes is is your top corner, and you're going to draft somebody, and and that's how you're going to handle your secondary, and you're going to let Anthony Harris go and draft another guy in the fourth round and have him play, or or sign somebody cheap who's more of a project. I, it just it doesn't sound like them. My guess would be, if just knowing Zimmer, he probably looked at it and said, "Well, our offense was good enough, and if we could only have the number one defense as opposed to number five defense." That's how we can get over the top is by having this unbelievable defense that can get us to to the end in the NFC, which is not a crazy thought. And I keep going through this in my mind because, of course, I like bold moves. I like going all in. I like going for it on fourth down. I also don't get fired if these things go wrong. (laughs) Um, but But I think it pays off a lot. And the Chiefs are an example of that. And even to some extent, the 49ers are an example of that, of signing someone like Richard Sherman, where They kind of had to go out on a limb there. The guy tore his Achilles, which is usually the end of a career for most players, but they went all in on Richard Sherman. And 
they had some deals that were kind of big swings blow up on them, like Jarek McKinnon. That never worked out. It's been two years. He hasn't played a single down for them. And I think they've paid him something like $15 million over the last two years to not play a single down. So it can blow up in your face if you go all in. But even for the 49ers, trading for Jimmy Garoppolo was kind of a big move. They thought that they could get Kirk Cousins or they would have been in position to draft someone else. And instead they go out and get Jimmy G based on a couple of starts with the New England Patriots and just make him their franchise quarterback. And So sometimes you have to do that to make a big change to get yourself where you want to go. And if I think someone, if Gary had asked me the question about how do you get over the hump, I'd say a lot of times you have to do something crazy. I mean, the Baltimore Ravens were in a position with Joe Flacco where they were very much like the Vikings, uh, just you know, in the playoffs. And this is after they won the Super Bowl, and Flacco started to fall off and, and really wasn't the same quarterback that he was. If he was ever that great to begin with, I'm not sure. But he's, he won a lot of games. When there used to be those, is Flacco really elite debates, he won a lot of games with good teams. And then after the Super Bowl, just drifted off the side of a mountain. But even then, 2014 with Kubiak, 10 and 6, 2016, 8 and 8, 2017, 9 and 7. And eventually they had to make that bold move to draft Lamar Jackson and then design their entire offense around Lamar Jackson. Sometimes you just have to do something like that. And it doesn't necessarily mean cousins. It kind of does in some ways, but it also might just be a, a fundamental shift of where they spend their money. Last year, they were one of the highest spending teams in the entire league on defense and mid-pack on offense despite having a quarterback taking up $30 million in salary cap. I mean, that's, in general, not exactly putting your resources in, in what it takes to win. I think what it takes to win on defense is to be good enough at the right time and have a couple of star players who can make big plays at big times, like Tyron Matthew or Chris Jones, if we're talking about the Super Bowl winners as an example. But that entire Kansas City defense is not stacked with super highly paid guys all over the field. I mean, they got Rashad Breland sort of off the, the they pile. They spent less than right? $10 million combined on their cornerbacks. Right. And I'm not saying don't spend on corners right. because corners are very, very important. But they had guys who could make enough plays mm-hmm. in the right positions. And Tyron Matthew is in everything. So he's like a little bit of a different thing. He's, a, he's like their Harrison Smith in a lot of ways where he plays all over the field and is a complete game changer. But you would almost have to trust in Hunter, Kendricks, and Harrison to be able to say those guys will carry whoever is around them. So you're going to replace those with off-the-scrap heap a little bit or draft picks or younger players you've been developing and then spend all the damn money on a left guard or all the money on a left tackle, whoever that might be. Um, you know, there are some good players that are on the free agent market, which we're really going to get into eventually if they, on the free agent market. If they go young on defense, like Chad suggested, what re- how far is that drop-off for the Vikings? Because you look at the year before uh, Zimmer came in, that offense ranked, or that defense ranked 32 in points allowed yep. and 31 in yards allowed. The first year with Zimmer, they didn't, they didn't have a whole lot of time to add a bunch of pieces. They jumped up to 11th and 14th in those categories, respectively. Right. Yep. How far off, really, what is the floor for Zimmer's defense if he doesn't have the guys he's used to having? Yeah, that's a great question because uh, even, I just did it to you, Jonathan. Good job hey. on a great question. Um, I don't think I get a point for that. No, I do with Gary, though. Yeah, when Gary do. says you ask a great question, you're like, yes, <laughs> that's right, Gary. Give me a ring. Um 
the fall off and how far it would be. So your Everson Griffin was good, but we just sometimes we overrate a guy in his actual production based on his name. And mm-hmm. you, so you say Everson Griffin, man, this guy is a monster. But when you actually look at where he ranked by like Pro Football Focus, they watch every play, they grade every play. Everson Griffin was 21st in the league. And that's very good. It's not irreplaceable production to have eight or nine sacks and a good amount of pressures. And, and he's a great player, so there's no taking away from how good he is. But it's not that he was number one or something like that. It's not like he was Khalil Mack or Nick Bosa last year or, or Zadarius Smith or even someone like Calais Campbell. He was more toward the, the middle really good players last year. Can you replace that with someone you've been developing? Probably, if you believe in in your development, can you get somebody else? Can you get a rotation to produce a similar amount of pressures and and, and things like that? Probably, you would really have to trust that the players you're bringing in would be able to replace the production. Can you replace what Xavier Rhodes did last year? Oh my God, yes, like easily. <laughs> and, and getting getting twice younger, as good, probably getting younger. Not it. It may kind of shorten that window temporarily, but it also lengthens lengthens it. If those players that you're betting on pan out. Yeah, I think so. You're right about that for sure. If they pan out, it's the if they pan out that's hard. Because if you bring back, say, Trey Waynes, what do you know about Trey Waynes? He will be an average corner in the NFL every year you have him. But there's something to be said for that. Because if your guy who you bring in instead of him is below average Mm -hmm. because it's a draft pick that goes bust, or if it's a free agent that you think is going to fit and it doesn't, then you end up with a, a significant drop-off from where you would have been if your guy is average. So it's that goes under the category for sure of potentially bold, but it also might be necessary. When you look at the teams that make the Super Bowl, their first or second seeds, and their top five in passing offense, almost to a T. And so if you can't do that, then you don't even get in the party. You can have a good defense and all those other things, but it's been now quite a while since a team won with great defense. And the only time they did with Denver, they played the number one offense in the league in the Super Bowl. Right. It's it's almost every single year over the last decade, you've got teams that were in the top five in passing, top five in scoring on offense. So if you're looking at it through that perspective, especially with the division you play in with really good defensive players all over the place, and the Lions will probably get better next year, maybe. Uh, but you know Chicago and Green Bay are going to be tough. I think you have to invest more on the offensive side and trust yourself on defense. All right, let's uh, talk to an offensive player. Alex Boone will come up with us next. And uh, we're also going to connect at 3.30 with former NFL quarterback Bruce Gradkowski. He's in the media now. He also works for Pro Football Focus, grading quarterbacks. So we're going to talk about the quarterback carousel and some things going on around the league with him at 3.30. We'll be right back. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. The only way I know how to get over the hump is keep going back to the hump. You know, you got to be got to be good enough to get there every year, and you know, find a way to be playing in January. And uh, you know, I used to always preach to my teams, hey. The bottom line: Can we can we get ourselves in, and then we can can we play better than anybody else for one month? And uh, that's what this league boils down to: a lot of good coaches, a lot of good players, very fine line between being really successful and being successful. So I think we're all searching for that, but we'll work toward that and uh, stay committed to each day and try not to get ahead of ourselves. 
Jonathan, you ever seen No Country for Old Men? Yes. Yes. So good. I need Gary Kubiak to do the soliloquy at the end of No Country for Old Men. <laughs> and I had a dream and my daddy was there. <laughs> just perfect. How you've just combined Look, Gary Kubiak in that movie. He looks just like Tommy Lee Jones, does he not? Yeah, 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 he does. Okay. He really does. Uh, no, he doesn't. Yes, he does. He looks, a more like sounds like he looks more like Josh Brolin. He looks more like Josh Brolin, dude. Maybe he so? sounds like him. Yeah. Josh Brolin? He's got like that big square head. Yeah, he does have a square head. Tommy Lee yeah. Jones doesn't have the square head, but he sort of talks oh, like man. him. He talks more like Josh Brolin, too. Man. Dude, I know. See, now that just changed him. my whole perspective on everything. You're welcome. All dude. right. I'm going to look up that speech at the end. I still think that he sounds and talks like Tommy Lee Jones at the end. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right, we'll find that. Are you thinking of Dom Capers by chance? No, no. Uh, Dom, the way Dom, Dom Capers look, talks. No, no, he doesn't no. look like Tommy Lee. No, Jones. not look, not even but close. the way he talks. Okay, well, they all kind of have that old football guy way of yeah. talking. That's but so but, Kub- but Kubiak has this sort of like um, what is it? It's like southern like, drawl almost. Like it's like a real slow. I was know, yeah. Uh, I was thinking more of like this sort of reflective, like old Texas guy who's just reflecting on football, just out here thinking yeah. about you know that time we had Howard Griffith go through the A gap and blast that <laughs> linebacker. You know, just like right. We're in the wink tee. That was great. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Back when I was John Elway's backup, and uh, you know he had dirt in the old helmet and led that drive. You know. Just <laughs> Uh, Alex Boone with me, Matthew Collar, Purple Daily, if you uh, could not tell. Um, so what do you think of that, Alex? Uh, you were on a football team that got over the hump, and that seems to be a big conversation. It's like, how can this team go from being pretty good and real close in 2017, having the talent a few different times, but maybe bad luck um, befalls them in 2016 with Teddy Bridgewater's knee, and even in 2018, to some extent, I wouldn't call it bad luck, but a wrong decision at offensive coordinator, some more things didn't break their way. Um, and then this year they get pretty far and they win a playoff game and it was exciting for a week. But ultimately, I think it left Vikings fans with the same sort of feeling they've had in past years. Like it just wasn't enough. So on teams that actually get to the Super Bowl, what is it? What is that element that Coobs would know and Capers would know and that the people have gotten there that the Vikings don't seem to have? You know what, dude? The one thing I got to say that I love about this Tom Capers signing, first of all, is it's something different. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know that some people are kind of looking at this and they're a little upset probably because they're like, dude, what is going on in there? Like, they're bringing all these people in. They're changing things up. But sometimes when you throw things off the wall at different people, they come back in a response that maybe you weren't expecting or maybe Hmm. it helps you see something differently. And to me, that was always the biggest advantage that we had the year we went to the Super Bowl is that – for whatever reason, like it was like, have you ever seen the movie World War Z when he talks about the the, the law of ten? I have like, not. No. Well, he talks about how like I think it's either the law of ten or the law of eleven. It's whatever happens. Like if ten guys come to the same conclusion, the eleventh man's job is to come to the exact opposite hmm. to make everybody think differently. Interesting. And that's exactly what I thought of those years when we were really really good because it was like you would see a guy like Greg Roman in front of the room breaking down an offense for us or putting in plays. And it was like somebody in the back would say, hey, listen, I got a problem with this because I don't think that it would be wise for us to go block, you know, man on. I think we should go block the safety, and this is why. And Greg would, like, sit up there with his sausage fingers and he'd go, all right. <laughs> and he'd, like, he'd like, re- like, legitimately think about it. He'd be like, you know what, that's a great idea. Let's do that. Like, it was never, like, everything was always different. And people had different ideas. And they were so, instead of being, like, reluctant and being like, no, this is my offense. It was like, you know what, 
It's actually a great idea. Let's do that. And they always wanted input from the players. They always wanted to know what you know how it was going and what we could change. And is there something we can add on? Is there another level to this offense? Which there was absolutely no level you could add to that offense. But when you talk about it, it's, it's, it was so many different perspectives rolled into one, and there was never any fighting with anybody. Like it was always like, well, you know what? He's a really smart guy. He probably knows what he's talking about. Let's listen to him. There was never any like, ah, oh, dude, this dude's young. Sit down. Like I remember rookies were like chiming in, like, hey, listen, we should think about doing this and coaches like no i never thought about that that's very smart we should do that like it's it's everybody working as a collective and like with the common goal instead of against it you know what i'm saying yeah so last year we wondered around this same time when they hired gary kubiak mysteriously and we didn't know what he was doing or how he got here or who called them or who was paying him or any of those things and they Anything. wouldn't say we we naturally had to ask the question, is this going to be too many cooks in the kitchen? Is this going right. to be a conflict between Kevin Stefanski, who wants to run his own offense and be his own guy and get his head coaching job, and Kubiak, who is the guy who has been around forever, almost like a sheriff in Texas in a small town, let's say, that all of a sudden runs into uh, something too powerful for even himself and is forced <laughs> to reflect Anyway, uh, but, you know, Kubiak comes in, and I could totally see the Brolin thing. He needs a mustache, yeah, though. Yeah, this, I think Tommy Lee Jones is what Kubiak will look like when he's even a little older. Ooh. Anyhow, um, but it, it worked out really, really well. I mean, Stefanski's got his head coaching job in Cleveland, and they put up the best offensive numbers under Mike Zimmer. And so with Dom Capers coming into the mix and the co-defensive coordinators – Probably, if this had happened last year, I might be looking at it and saying, what is even going on here? Who is coaching the football squad? A a million different people. But these are guys who have been around for a very long time and seem to have a lot of the um, same sort of goals. And, And with the fact that Zimmer has his people that have been with him for a long time that know his defense... And then someone else who has a completely different defense playing a 3-4 for back in the day with the Steelers. I mean, I kind of like the mix. I I, I can't be behind the scenes to know exactly how that's going to work in each room. But from a defense that might need a few new ideas, I don't hate it. No, you have to love it. I mean, it's something different. It's something. It's a different way of seeing things that maybe Mike doesn't see. But when you talk about guys coming in and not understanding how to gel, I mean, you're talking about Gary Kubiak. Like, these guys have a reputation on the line as well. They don't want to be the guy that comes in and destroys something. They want to be the guy that comes in and helps monitor the situation, helps him grow it. You know, I mean, look what Gary did last year. And he's the prime example because here's a guy, and I want you to think about this. Here's a head coach that's coached in Super Bowls and has done probably some of the most amazing things you can do with an offense. And he has to take a backseat to a guy who's at, like, first time being an OC. Right. I mean, you talk about the humility that a guy has to have. I mean, truly have, because that's a humbling experience when you walk in the room and you're like, well, are you the OC? He's like, no, nah, that young kid is. Like, it's, it's cool, and at the same time, it's great. But imagine how he was feeling at the time. Like, I'm sure there was times where he was like, man, I could have done that better. I should have done You know, and he just kept pushing in the right direction, in a positive way. And I think that that speaks to his character. And also to Dom Capers, the same way. These old-school coaches, they're not going to come in and start fires. They're not just going to come in and blow up the building. They're coming hey, listen, we're here to help. I'm 70 years old. I right. want to win a ring. I'm not here for the drama of it. You know, you talk about Dom Capers, a guy who is so well-respected. Like, when I saw that he signed here, I was like, man, I wonder how Green Bay feels about that. Like, they're probably pissed as hell. <laughs> but because there's another thing that you can add. There's so many things that you can help with an organization when you're like, listen, I've been in that org. I know what they're doing. I know how they're thinking over there. You know, this is that's another level of advantage that you have in bringing in a coach like that. So let's say that this means, because I tend to read it a little bit like this, that 
they believe they just need a little bit more with what they have to get over the hump. And that this will largely be a status quo offseason, even though I will come up with, for this show's purposes, exactly 10,000 crazy things that they could do. Um, They probably won't do that many of them. They won't trade Kirk Cousins. They probably won't trade Stephon Diggs. And I wouldn't even be surprised if Everson Griffin ends up coming back on a new contract, even if he voids his deal because he can and becomes a free agent. Um, Zimmer loves his guys, and it just wouldn't be surprising to have a lot of the same people here again with a few minor tweaks. If if they do that, Alex, Vikings fans will be upset. But how how bad of a move would it be to bring it all back with now Kubiak and Capers in the mix? I think, I mean, when you're obviously looking offensively, I'm not as worried as I am defensively. I mean, when you talk about bring, I mean, you're talking about bringing Xavier Rhodes back and just letting Anthony walk away. I mean, you you'd talk, probably move on like, from Rhodes, but maybe you say maybe you say like keeping Trey Wayne's or something like that would be status quo, and then you replace Rhodes with Mike Hughes. All right, yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, you're talking about keeping then Trey. Then I'm. I mean, yeah. I like that move. I think that there are some pieces that need to go, but I also think that you need to upgrade a piece or two. I mm-hmm. think that every offseason you need to throw in, and I've said this last time, fresh blood, but not only that, but somebody that is really, really good at what they do and can come and bring in new life and can show a different perspective as well in the playing field. I mean, a Byron Jones, someone like that. I mean, you're going to need something on the defense. I think it's great that you have two co-defensive coordinators, and I think it's great that Dom Capers is coming in. Like You're taking steps in the right direction, and they're all good, but somewhere you have to elevate the talent on the defense like it's just it needs to happen yeah i i agree yeah it needs to happen even though that last year they were still very good um it's just can you actually get anywhere with it i mean not 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 with a good defense they think that they had a good enough defense this year for the most part to be a legit contender and in san francisco okay eventually they got run over because they never had the ball and the defense wore down but the defense gave them a chance to be in that game, and the defense and Delvin Cook largely won the first game in the playoffs, but they were let down by not having enough on offense in San Francisco, which, as we saw from the Chiefs, a lot of people had a lot of trouble with San Francisco on defense, but in the playoffs, you're going to run into somebody who's good and who can rush your quarterback. And I, and I guess if we're talking about running it all back, with the most standard type of Vikings moves. Let's say they draft a three-tech and they bring back Waynes and they just sort of do a lot of the same things. Maybe there's a left guard who's the fourth or sixth best free agent left guard that they bring in to replace Pat Elfline. Like These things aren't moving the needle a whole lot. You're going to believe they'll still be a very good team, but if the goal is to be a great team, I just don't see any way around doing something that's bold. You know what I mean? Doing something that goes kind of off of the beaten trail a little bit and changes up the fabric of who you are to some extent. If you run it back out, I think you get mostly the same results. I agree with you. I, and, I, and I just said this before. I think you need to change it up and get some. But how bold are you talking? I mean, mm. there's, there's, there's catastrophically bold, and you're like, listen. That's guys. usually where I live. I know. And I, that's what makes me so excited because as soon as you say that, like all of a sudden these thoughts start popping in my mind. Like you're like, dude, I mean, how catastrophic are okay, we? Okay. Well, what's catastrophically bold to you? I mean, catastrophically bold would be like, listen, we're trading Kirk Cousins and we're going to draft yes. somebody. Like yes. you're, that is when you're like, you know what? Dude, and, and just to be honest with you, like if I was a player on a team like that, like you just headline across the phone, you're like, no way. That's just. <laughs> 
happen. Yeah. Like, I remember there's a few times where my phone would buzz. You'd be like, this is it, man. We're in the belly of the beast now. <laughs> and, and, but it's not a bad thing. It's, it could change. I mean, listen, if you give up Dalvin, I don't think I could ever be a fan again because that's just the best part of watching this games is watching that kid run over mm-hmm. people. But yeah. there are other moves that could happen that you could be like, dude, even if you did that, I, I'm just being honest. And I listen, I'm a realist, and I feel like everybody else is not a realist in this world because when you guys come to me and you're like, can you believe that this is going on in the NFL? I'm like, yes. Can you, how could you not believe this was going on? Like, this has been happening for years in the NFL. But if they were to trade Kirk, would it really be that, like, oh, my God to you? Uh, only because the guy who signed Kirk to the huge contract would be the one making the move. And... I, I just think of this team as being sort of stubborn, and when they have one of their guys, they keep them, that they resign everyone. It would have been bold for them last year, by their standards, to let Anthony Barr go and say, sorry, man, we're just not going to pay for somebody who gets two sacks a year and a handful of pressures, and even though that's not your job, your job could be replaced by somebody else. It would have been bold by their standards to do it because of just how they've operated under Zimmer, which is with a great deal of loyalty and i can respect that but eventually you get to the end of the road and maybe that's how they're seeing it i don't get the feeling they are though right so that's why i go into this offseason thinking yeah there's going to be some interesting moves but the level of extreme nauseously bold craziness is probably going to be low and at the top of that list would be trading kirk but if you're the general manager who signed kirk and you go to your owner and go See, what happened was <laughs> he's just, I thought so. he could run a little better and he can't. So now here's what I'm doing. I just don't know how much the owner is going to, the owners are going to look at it and go, wait, didn't you just tell us two years ago that Kirk was going to get you to a Super Bowl? Well, yeah, but what happened? You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. it, it might be a tough sell to be like, yeah, we're actually going to trade him for Dak Prescott now, <laughs> you know, or See. Jimmy Garoppolo or something. But that's something that, like, if you listen to Michael Irving, could be possible. Because according to Mike, Tom Brady's going to Dallas, which is going to free up Dak. But here's here's where I'm really confused right now. I'm not – Zim and Spielman's contract is up after this year, correct? That instantly puts you into a win-now mode, unless you know something that nobody else knows. So if you are in a win-now mode, is, re- is Kirk Cousins really the dude you're doing it with? That's what I'm saying. Like, there are win-now modes that you see guys like, wow, they are – they are really in it to win it. Like they'll do anything they have to do. Is it going to be like that, or is it just going to be like another? Hey, we're we're really going to ride with this team again this year. This is all our chips, unless you know something that the rest of us don't know. Because when you're technically on your last year, if you don't go into the playoffs or at least deep, they're like, listen, look at Jason Garrett. They're like, listen, man, we've had our fun, we've had our run, we can't do this every year, and we're good. Yeah, I and that's what I wish I could just sort of sneak in and get, you know, kind of bug some of the rooms in there and hear but do you whether agree? they think that or not. I mean, you... now I agree that they have run it to the end and it needs to change. Like that's how that's how I look at it is yeah. you you've taken this as far as you could take it and if you run it back you're not a Super Bowl contender in my mind. Even though Zimmer's going to think, I could coach up these guys, and the front office is going to say, no, 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 I'll find a draft pick that'll work. But you don't know that. Last year, your draft picks worked out great. The year before, the guy tore his ACL, and you never got to use him. 
So you can never look at your draft as in it's going to fix problems right away. Free agency is usually just like you're getting yourself in trouble a lot of times. Look at the left tackle position. I saw a study from PFF today, your your friends over there, uh, mm-hmm. on how signing left tackles is one of the most risky things you can do because it doesn't usually work out the way you want it to. If someone's letting go a left tackle, more or less, there's a reason. Um, yeah. So it kind of stands to, to reason that that would be the case. Um you know, that's that's the way I have gone into this offseason is thinking if you run it back and you hope for different results, it's kind of the Einstein quote that everybody uses that, you know, it's the same thing, hoping for something different. And you could still be very competitive. They could still have a really fun season and they could still play on wild card weekend and not make the Super Bowl is kind of how I look at it. So uh, somebody tweeted me earlier in the offseason and said it would be risky not to be bold, which is sort of a. You know, fun little sentence. They were right. And, and I agree with that, you know? Yeah. We talked about it. And that is exactly – and that's why I said that I do feel – I'm not confused right now, but going forward, like, into free agency, it's going to be interesting because this is a win-now mode. Like, you are officially in the win-now mode. And so it's going to be like, man, what do they do? How crazy do they get? And I think it would absolutely – I think when it was like, what, two or three weeks ago we talked about that? And I started laughing because I was like, oh, come on. But when you think about it, it is the riskiest move you can do to say, hey, listen, we're all good right now. We're just going to ride out with this. Like, man – I don't know, bro. Yeah, right, right, yeah. <laughs> You're going to need at least a couple pieces in there to fix some things if you really intend on doing this. And to me, it's gonna, it really is the back end because you're seeing all these quarterbacks step up now. Like I, I'm really watching all these replays of these games this year from some of these quarterbacks. is incredible because you never really notice how good they are until like everything's done, you have your winner, and you go back, you watch a few games, you're like, man, that guy was really incredible. The mm-hmm. plays that he can make, the back end, they had a stand I mean, look at San Fran. They had a phenomenal defense, and they got taken for in the nine minutes of a game. Nine minutes cost them a Super Bowl and 21 points. That's incredible, and that's the, like one of the best defenses so yes when you're looking at this going hey what are we going to do we're going to do something big we're just not sure what yet but we know it has to be something before we talk to bruce bruce gradkowski former nfl quarterback a journeyman yep and now uh, a media superstar budding star um let's let's have a little fun then with recklessness because we're, we're pretty much on the same page that more likely than not, they're going to go status quo. And they yep. can always surprise us because they're the Vikings and they do crazy stuff sometimes. But more likely than not, when you bring back Gary, when you bring in Dom Capers, it says, we need to coach him up better. That's the answer. And I'm not certain that it is. But let's say they were going to trade Cousins. And this is possible that they could do this year. Mm. I, I, I'm just going to throw a few names at you and you tell me whether you would trade the guy for Cousins. Would you? Okay. Would you trade... Cousins for Dak Prescott if you immediately had to sign Prescott to a five-year deal with a $35 million a year cap hit? No. You don't think he's good enough? No. Not to spend that much money on? No. I don't know why. I just, for whatever reason, that, that kid had the best offensive line, one of the best running backs, some of the best receivers, and, I mean, he just couldn't get it done. And I, and I get that sometimes it falls on the defense, but, dude, I've said this on this show, you get paid to win games. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you haven't shown me that you can do that. So, no, I'll keep, I'll keep Kirk. We're good. Okay. All right. How about trading for Cam Newton for Cousins? That is supremely recklessly bold. That's recklessly bold. Here, and it's recklessly bold because he's coming off injury. And mm-hmm. I just, for whatever reason, if, if, if the people that were doctors that I trusted were like, dude, this, he's good, I would trade. For sure I would. I'd be like, you know what? I'm in on that. That, that could be a stir. That could stir the pot in a great way. Absolutely. Let's say similar deal but a lot less money 
for Ryan Tannehill that it would have been with Dak for $10 million less a year. But you trade uh, Cousins over to Tennessee, and you immediately sign Ryan Tannehill to a $25 million a year contract. I would do that because, yeah. I mean, you look what he did last year, right, with the same offense, same almost running back, probably same offensive line, maybe a little bit better. But if you look at, like, when he plays, he's different than Kirk. Like, he can move around. He can throw. He was really good under he's, pressure He's last a good year, athlete, is, too, yeah. Which is one of the things that people don't realize is if you can find a quarterback that's really, really good when people are running after him, like, that's the whole key to the game because everybody's <laughs> trying to kill your quarterback. <laughs> so at the time when everyone's, like, getting really scared and you see those quarterbacks, like, the big eyes, this kid's like, no, man, I'm just going to chuck it over here on my slant route. Like, that was, to me, that, that helped him out a lot. Let's say Kyle Shanahan calls up and says... I just I need Kirk in my life. That's all that's missing, and we can win the Super Bowl next year in San Francisco. Can I get two people? I'll, I'll trade you Jimmy straight up for Kirk. Throw Eric Armstead in there, and we got a deal. Mm. I mm. Yeah, I don't know if Dude. they would. I don't know if they'd be moving a young piece like that. Or is he young? Well, yeah, he's well, kind he's of. He's going to be a free agent. He's going to be a free agent, but I, I, I mean, you would sign him. Oh, yeah. for sure. I mean, for sure you would want him because the interior rush for the Vikings is just not that great, oh. and he can bring that. He can move Dude, all over the defensive line. He's one of the pieces I think that they go after because not only can he play all over the D-line, but he can play almost every down. Like, he's a good run stopper. Yeah. He's a good pass rusher. And he is – Dude, him and Daniil, get out of here. Would you do Kirk straight up for Jimmy G? If I'm Rick, I would just because I don't. I think that the sediment between Kirk and the team has kind of lost its flavor, and I think that Jimmy coming in would be a fresh. And plus, Jimmy's the kind of guy to be like, listen, I don't need to throw the ball. You want me to hand it off? I'm great with doing that. Like he would keep the offense calm to me, and that's really the only reason I would do it. They're the same quarterback to me. He's also got a, a better um, cap hit to deal with than Cousins does, not by a ton, but by enough that's one player or a rotational defensive end or something like that. Which is a lot now. Yeah. That's a lot. A rotational defensive end, that can come up huge. Because think, those guys not only, like, look at Stefan Weatherly. Plays, like, all the special teams, right? Plays defensive end, shows up at times. Like, you're like, wow, I see you, Weatherly. Good job, dude. Like, he has come a long way. But guys like that are valuable to a team. Love them. Exactly. Okay, that was fun, absurd recklessness since we talked about how it's probably going to be the same for too long. All right, Bruce Gradkowski, he does a lot of different things, including NFL Network Radio, and he also does work for Pro Football Focus as well, which you can grill him on if you want um, because I know you're a big fan. So when we return, we will talk with him, uh, a former NFL quarterback, a journeyman, in fact, when we return here on Purple Daily. Jonathan here with the Score North download. We'll get you back to football and Purple Daily in just a moment. But first, you can win four tickets to Arnie's Cabin at this year's 3M Open through the Score North mobile app. Download the app, register your app, and enter to win. Tickets include tournament admission for Thursday, July 23rd, access to a climate-controlled hospitality tent near the 18th Green, and complimentary food and a full bar. For tickets to this year's 3M Open, visit 3MOpen.com. We'll get you back to Purple Daily and more football in just a second. But on coming up on Mackie and Judd with Rami, we have day two of 10 days of Twins Talk, and we'll be talking with Derek Wetmore via the phone line from Fort Myers, Florida. We'll be sure to mention Marwin Gonzalez, who spoke today. He was on the 2017 Astros, and he was talking about feeling remorseful for what they did, saying. I'm remorseful for everything that, that, that happened in 2017, um, everything that, that, that we did as a group. And then, and like the players that were affected directly by us, 
uh, by doing this and uh, some other things. And then um, that's what I feel the more the more regret, and that's what uh, I'm remorseful. The second day of 10 days of Twin Stock coming up at about 4.30. I'm Mackie and Judd with Rami. But now, back to Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. Matthew Collar, Alex Boone here. And we welcome in one of the great all-time Toledo Rockets quarterbacks. Uh, He uh, works for NFL Radio. Oh, yeah, by the way, played 11 years in the NFL and also works for Pro Football Focus. A very busy man, Bruce Gradkowski. What's up, Bruce? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, for sure, man. Now, I want to start out with you explaining to Alex Boone the virtues of Pro Football Focus because I quote oh I quote PFF all the time here on the show, and you being a former player, I feel like Alex has to be conflicted as a guy who doesn't love statistics. Help me out, Bruce. <laughs> well, I think, you know, I'm not a huge statistical guy either, Ooh. But the thing I've loved about Pro Football Focus um, this year especially was my access to all the film, the data, um, and I really have grown an appreciation for the guys that work there. And it's all they're all basically gym rats. They're all coaches uh, or wannabe coaches. or All they do is watch film and grade film. I mean, we're talking about every play, every player, every game. I mean, it's insane how much film – everyone watches so I have a, a lot of appreciation and and I can see why it would benefit benefit NFL teams college teams so much because it's impossible to watch every single guy especially now coming up to the draft so I feel like uh the PFF data there's so many you know so much data that it can it's actually a shortcut for guys to be like you know what here's their top 10 let me go take a look at them and now you can organize them into your top 10 and who you feel is good, but um, I think there's a lot of good data. There you have it, Alex. There you have it. No, no, no. Listen, when it comes to (laughs) scouting, I'm all about those services. Whatever you need to see as many players as you need to, but when it comes to the pros and watching film and breaking down a pro game, I have a problem with that if you're not in the room, and I always will. No rebuttal. I love it. (laughs) Did you catch that, Bruce? No, I didn't hear it. Oh, oh, okay. I was just we were basically just saying that I have no problem with the scouting service portion of it. I just have a problem with if you're breaking down offensive film in like an NFL room and you're not actually in the room, but you're giving out grades. That's the only problem I have with that. Yeah, no, I, and I hear you with that because my brother, you know, my brother played offensive line and he oh, said yeah. the same stuff. He he's like, man, they can't, you know, they graded me bad and. Um, you know, I just they don't they don't know what our blocking assignment was, and they you know this and that. And, I, and, and what I say though is, like, so when I grade the quarterbacks, you know, if something happened in the route that I'm unsure whose fault it was, it's a miscommunication. You don't downgrade the receiver or the quarterback if you're unsure uh, what happened. But you know, a lot of times too, if I see a post route, a skinny post being ran, it happened to Baker Mayfield this year. Uh, uh, Callaway shoot a cross face to the cornerback. He took one step like he was going to cross face, then went behind the DB. It gets intercepted. Well, now I'm not going to put that on Mayfield because I know that the receiver's route has to cross face on that kind of post. Um, so it stays right there. So up front, and you know how it is playing O line, and, um, and you know when you kind of get your butt whooped or when you pancake someone. So you're actually grading on what is happening. You're not going to always try to just guess what their assignment was. But if a guy is on a guy and gets beat, you know, then then you could possibly uh, get a negative. 
Bruce, was there something specific that you learned from doing all that work? Uh, the QB annual is unbelievable, by the way, with all the data that's in there from, from you looking at film and doing grading and things like that. Uh, was there something that you took away that even you, as a former NFL quarterback, uh, learned about quarterback play in 2020? Well, I realized I didn't know I liked coffee that much. You know, <laughs> on Sunday, on Sunday nights, I would watch all the games during the day. And then around 7.30 at night, I would start getting in the coach's uh, version of the film, and I would watch film from about 7.30 till 3 a.m., and then wake up the next morning and try to bust it out uh, as quick as I could till about 2 in the afternoon. So I'm going through over a 1,000 passes every week trying to grade them, and um, you're seeing a lot of good concepts. I would always look forward to grading you know, the Chiefs because of Andy Reid and Mahomes, Kyle Shanahan, McVay just love their shifts in motion. So you pick up a lot of good stuff, um, and then you just get a feel of how quarterbacks are playing. And a lot of times, too, it, you know, as the season went on, I could always know, like, ah, this guy's going to give me a turnover-worthy play at some point in this game because that's just what he does. And, you know, it would kind of always happen. So it's kind of cool how I just got a feel of how some of the guys were playing and and you would expect what you'd expect because they did it week in and week out. Talking about quarterbacks, let's talk about the one up here in Minnesota and Kirk Cousins. You've obviously seen all of his passes. What would you say about last year that he improved on as opposed to the year before? Well, I think Kirk, I mean, man, you know, he, he gets so much. There's so much criticism on him, um, and he is such a good passer. I'm talking about a pure passer, great release, accurate smart, makes good decisions, good feet. You know, he can really do it all, and he can, you know, he really can run an offense, uh, you know, better than a lot of guys. And, you know, people want to question about winning the big games or not, but I think this year, uh, on the field aside, I think he handled everything very well. I think, you know, with a kind of rocky start a little bit with that offense and, you know, kind of internal struggles and you're hearing about things, and then he kind of went on that streak of they were so dominant mm-hmm. offensively, and he was one of our top-graded quarterbacks for a little while there. Um, you know, I, I just loved it. I loved it because I love when your back's against the wall or you know, you play with that chip on the, on your shoulder. That's the one thing I really loved this year with Kirk Cousins was I want to see that fieriness. I want to see him play with that chip on the shoulder, and he started doing that. And he even said it, right, in the, in, you know, in the media that he always plays better when he's, like, pissed off or when he has a chip on his shoulder, and that's how I was. So I give him a lot of credit for what he has done. Um, but also, too, I'm happy for where they've gone with Kubiak. I mean, man, that's an unbelievable uh, hire by Zimmer to keep Kubiak there to actually make him O.C., Man, that's awesome, and it's awesome for Kirk Cousins. I've always wanted to play in the Kubiak system, Kyle Shanahan system, and I never had a chance to. So Kirk Cousins is probably the prototypical type of quarterback that fits in that kind of system. Bruce, can you expand on that? I mean, with quarterbacks throughout the history of Kubiak as an offensive coordinator head coach, they always seem to set career highs, or in this case, have their highest PFF rankings for Cousins by far um, since he's been a full-time starter. What is it about that system that helps out quarterbacks so much? Well, it's funny, too, because your boy Sage at the Super Bowl even told me, he's like, man, Kyle Shanahan got me paid. (laughs) (laughs) 
So I, I think it's just a mix of like the play action pass, the screens, the bootlegs. It's a lot of friendly type plays for a quarterback. And yes, the quick game is nice, but honestly, it's easier to throw the ball 18 to 20 yards downfield on a play action pass than it is to throw a quick game because Number one, as a smaller quarterback like I was, being six one, six two, your play action pass, you're usually getting deeper in the pocket, so you have more space to work, more vision over and through the offensive line, defensive line, and then linebackers are always stepping up, so you always have that nice little soft spot in a defense between you know the linebackers and the safeties, and you can always kind of drop a little two ball in there, and I think Kirk Kirk Cousins does that perfectly, so. I think in, in Kubiak's kind of system, it's the running game mixed with the play action pass and bootlegs that is very helpful for the quarterback. Bruce, I got to ask you about this carousel going around the NFL right now. I know it's starting New England. Tom Brady, do you think he leaves New England? And if he does, where would his best destination be? Yeah, man, oh, man that's, that's a tough one. You know, I don't want to see him leave New England. I mean, I actually I like the soap opera type stuff or football, you know, it, it's very entertaining. Um, and and I, I'm interested to see, like, if Brady can do something elsewhere and lead them to the championship because I love what Brady brings in the locker room and his work ethic and just his mindset in general. Uh, but I don't see him leave, leaving New England. I, I don't think Robert Kraft will let that happen. I think at the end of the day, if Brady wants to go out on top, I think New England and Bill Belichick uh, is the place for him to be. Uh, but if not, I think you got to look for him to go to a team that he knows can be very successful and that they have the pieces around him. Uh, I know there's been some chatter about, man, what if, what if they got him in Dallas? You know, But I, I don't know if you steer from Dak Prescott because he's the future there, I would think, uh, because he's younger. You have a lot more years in him. Uh, and then you look at Tennessee with the Titans and his relationship with Mike Vrabel and um, how close Tennessee was. But then it goes back to it. If, if I'm a team and I'm looking at Tom Brady, you know, you got a few years with him. Where, you know, Tennessee, if you find, if you re-sign Tannehill, that, that chemistry they built this year, I think that suits you better for the long term. Um, and same thing with the Cowboys. So I, I, I think, though, like if Brady goes somewhere, he's going to want to go where, where they already have pieces established. Um, and he could get to the Super Bowl again. So, But I don't see him leaving New England. I think a lot of things will happen, but at the end of the day, he's right back in Foxborough. Talking with former NFL quarterback Bruce Gradkowski, also now a co-host on NFL Radio and works for PFF as well. So, Bruce, uh, I want you to give us some reckless speculation. It's what we love to do on the show, where we just go <laughs> into the boldest and craziest things we could think of. And this offseason, I'm just pouring it all over me with these quarterbacks. It's amazing. It's like a dream scenario of having 10 different teams that can have different quarterbacks. Give me the boldest prediction you could make about a quarterback ending up at a place that we never see coming. Oh man, That's get bold, Bruce. One. You can do it. Um, Don't be afraid. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing that's cool though, it really is. I mean, you see Tom Brady out there, Philip Rivers, um, you know, Andy Dalton. I don't think that's it's too bold, but I could see Andy Dalton uh, being in Chicago would be a great fit for him. I'd also I'd like to see Andy Dalton in New England. I think that would be. Actually, a perfect fit. You know, Andy's still young. 
He brings a little more athleticism than Tom Brady. Um, and I'd like to see if Andy could win the big game if he would go there. I look at Tom Brady or, and Phillip Rivers. I mean, Phillip Rivers, does he sign with, like, Tampa Bay? Um, I think, you know, the Colts is an interesting one with his relationship with Frank Wright. Um, you know, and I, I don't know if these are bold enough for you guys, but it's just situations I've been thinking about kind of. And, and I love those those kind of situations, some soap opera type stuff. So uh, what's kind of the boldest ones you guys have been talking about? Uh, I had Cam Newton going to the Raiders somehow. Is that, that's, wow. that's, that's a plus boldness. I'm a veteran of boldness. I feel like you're just sort of dipping your toe in the water with Andy Dalton. That's like, that's like <laughs> B minus bold. <laughs> yeah. So you're right about that. I mean, Cam Newton, though, Gruden's offense. I, I don't know if, uh, Cam might go crazy with all that verbiage and all the cans and audibles he has to do. Yeah, that's probably that right. A lot. What about you? What was your craziest, Alex? I don't. I mean, I think that. And I, here's one that I don't even think is crazy, but I would just want to really see it. Is Philip Rivers to Tampa Bay because him and Bruce Arians would be electric together. But yeah, no, and I, I, I think that's a good point. Go ahead. I was going to say, I don't know I don't know how they would mesh, though. I mean, you know B.A., he's a wild man. And, and I get that Phillip's kind of wild, too, but he is a little more, like, toned down. And so it would be interesting to see that dynamic. It would. And I think the thing with B.A., though, that's cool, is, like, all the interceptions Jameis Winston has thrown, B.A. continues to, like, empower you as a quarterback. And he yeah. doesn't make you feel gun-shy about making those throws downfield. So, that could be a good fit with Rivers. I just don't know how much arm strength Rivers has left for those big balls downfield. I know. I know. I think last year he had something like a 50 quarterback rating when throwing deep. Uh, maybe you would know the exact quarterback rating when throwing deep since you probably tracked it. But it, it, wasn't, it wasn't super good. Uh, last thing for you, Bruce. Um, ESPN had a cool piece about breakout quarterbacks in 2020. Um, is there a, a young quarterback who came into the league, Drew Locke, Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, one of those guys, where they're waiting in the weeds a little bit, but you can't wait to see him next year? Well, I think Kyler Murray, I mean, and I don't think he's really stood under the radar with the rookie season he has had, um, which is which was, like, super impressive. So I, I look for him to continue to just get better. I, I think um, – Cliff Kingsbury does a great job with that offense. He set, he surrounds him with the right kind of scheme. So Kyler Murray's always going to be a fun one to watch. I'm interested interested to see too how Lamar Jackson responds another mm-hmm. year. I just I was really impressed with his competitive nature. Not that we didn't know it was there, but man, I just remember the Seattle game this year. I'm watching. It's probably two a.m. You know, I'm drinking probably like my fourth cup of coffee and. You know, there's no announcers. It's just a coach's film. And I remember being able to feel his competitiveness through the film. And I was like, man, I would just love to have this guy on my team because of what he brings in the locker room. So I want to see if the Ravens can do it again for how dynamic they were offensively and if teams can figure figure them out and stop them. And, you know, Drew Locke's another one. You know, Drew Locke coming out of college, I wasn't too impressed with this his feet, his footwork and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, but I knew he had the arm strength and the ability. And what I've watched from him grading him this year was he had the tendency to just hit hit the guy if he was open. So his accuracy was actually pretty good, and I was impressed upon that. He'll, his footwork will get better, uh, but he's another one I really want to see flourish with uh, Pat Shermer, Shermer around.
Follow him on Twitter at bgradkowski5. He's a co-host on NFL Radio and also does a lot of work for Pro Football Focus as well. And one of my favorite guys to catch up with. I'm excited to see you out again at training camp, Bruce. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Yeah, thanks, guys. Have a good week. Yep, take care. Bruce is the best. He needs a little work on his reckless speculating, but overall, overall solid takes. He's a big Andy Dalton fan. You know what? Andy Dalton has had his time where he was pretty good in 2015. Pretty darn good in 2015. It was sort of like a Kirk 2019 season where he set all of his career highs, and then he got hurt at the end of the year, and we never got to see whether he could take them anywhere in the playoffs. But Bruce makes a good point that he's the forgotten man here because Cincinnati was so awful, but maybe he's next year's Ryan Tannehill. I've never been a huge fan of Dalton, but one thing that's good about him is he gets rid of the ball really fast. So in a Chicago offense where Matt Nagy wants to throw a lot of bubble screens and quick slants and things like that to playmakers, it would make sense. Do you think Chicago's going to change quarterbacks? I Man, I really, I do. I feel like they've kind of had their fill of the Trubisky. But I want to talk about something to go back to the Andrew Dalton thing. Don't you blame the coaches for the, for that then? Because if he's going to go to another team and be successful, wouldn't you as an owner turn around to the coaches and be like, okay, so listen, what went wrong? Because clearly you don't know what you are doing. Like, It's like the Ryan Tannehill. When he goes to Tennessee, all of a sudden he starts to flourish. And people down in Miami have to be like, wait a minute. <laughs> We had this kid for how many years? Well, don't you think people in New York are like, wait? I mean, mean, they've got his coach that couldn't get him anywhere in Miami. I don't, that's what I'm saying. How did these, it it has to baffle so many people. Like, how does this kid leave? And then all of a sudden, he's just tearing it up in a different division. And I'm not saying that it's, that the division has anything to do with it, but the fact that you can get these guys to play at a super high level, like if Andy Dalton goes to, say he goes to Chicago, right? Mm -hmm. Say they're like, listen, bitch. You and Andy are going to fight it out. Like, they're going to do the old, you know, Tennessee thing. And say he comes out and Andy has a great year, takes him to the playoffs. Wouldn't you want to turn back around in Cincinnati and be like, dude, you had this kid for how many years? And you went to, what, one or two playoff games? That's it? Like, why wouldn't you create more of an offense around him instead of trying to make him something that he's not? Like, that's the, that doesn't that be like your biggest pet peeve? Oh, yeah, for sure. And okay. uh, our buddy Sage Rosenfels was freaking out last year about Chicago's offense not really working for Trubisky. And, you know, I'm I'm sure that that was to some extent the case with Tannehill and Andy Dalton. I asked off the record a successful quarterback in the NFL what he thought the difference was between uh, quarterbacks who make it and they don't. And his answer was, I mean, uh, there's obvious stuff like accuracy and right, uh, right, can right. you handle the offense. But he said just situation. I mean, a lot of times it comes down to did they put you in a situation to succeed? And even to some extent, we saw that with Kirk last year. With Andy Dalton, he was very much put in a, a situation to succeed in some places uh, in his career with some really good Cincinnati teams. And then in others, he wasn't. And the results are vastly different. And I, I think what happens now in the NFL is there's so many guys who can be good at this. There's always only going to be a couple who are great. But there are probably 25 human beings who could be real good quarterbacks or somewhere in that ballpark. Whereas let's say 20 years ago, it was probably 15 or 10 who could be real good at this. And then there was always your Dan Marinos and your Jim Kelly's and those guys. But how crazy is this? 2015, Andy Dalton had 106.2 quarterback rating, 25 touchdowns, seven picks, averaged over eight yards per attempt on a team that was completely loaded. Like, A.J. Green was at his best. They had Marvin Jones on that team, and they had sort of a running back rotation, but Mohamed Sanu is on that team, and Tyler Eifert was healthy for most of the year, so there was just all sorts of people to throw to. 
I, I think a lot of situations have to be, like if you're Chicago, how, can this guy be one of those 20 quarterbacks who it entirely depends on circumstance? And then how do we make his circumstances really good? How do we play to his strengths? If Dalton gets rid of the ball quick, how do we design a quick offense around him? How do we get the playmakers? And I, I haven't even really considered him at all in, in terms of this conversation. But, I mean, overall, he's an above 500 quarterback for his career. And when he had good teams, he certainly won a lot of games. I agree. and I, But... Once again, it's all about fitting into the right situation. You, you yep. said the, the, the quarterback told you situations. I, I was thinking right back to Bruce about how he talked about B.A. is always empowering his quarterbacks. Even when you throw 30 interceptions, he's like, hey, man, it's okay. We're going to throw another one in like five minutes. Just get ready. I mean, when you have coaches like this that aren't afraid to push you to your limits. Now, I'm not saying that B.A. was okay with 30 interceptions because I'm sure he was like <laughs> right. throwing. Yeah. Like, I know B.A. I'm sure he was throwing trash cans around like, dude, 30? Really? 30? <laughs> But when you talk about these offensive coordinators that are putting like these quarterbacks that have such amazing talent and ability, and they're just like, hey, listen, we're going to run the same old West Coast, two-jet, three-jet. Like, dude, you have to be innovative at some point. And that's why I always come so hard on coaches is because there can't be this many bad players in the NFL that this many teams go 8-8 eight and eight or 4-12. and 12. Like, It comes down to coaching eventually. Eventually the coaching has to get better, and you have to be more innovative and scheme up better ways. And that's why you see these teams like Andy Reid. And, yeah, they have great players, but some of their scheme is still like, dude, that's it. I mean, come on. Have you seen mm-hmm. some of their shifts and motions before the play? It's almost tantalizing. You're like, dude, I don't know where to look, but I'm looking at something amazing. <laughs> yeah, and that's the the Shanahan thing of uh, yes. Bruce quoting our buddy Sage Rosenfels with Shanahan made me a lot of money is, is funny. Uh, but I think he did for a lot of quarterbacks. Let me just before we wrap up, because I'm having fun with ESPN's, uh, you know, sort of polls that they take with their different analysts and, and things like that. I enjoy reading those of people making predictions already uh, as we're two weeks into the offseason now. But the breakout quarterback for next year, I'm going to give you the ones that are listed here, and you tell me which one you like the most. Drew Locke, Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, or Baker Mayfield could also be under the breakout quarterback candidate, I think, or other. I mean, if you have another name of, of a quarterback who might surprise us in 2020. Dude, like a week ago, I just posted a picture of Baker talking about how I got his back, 100%. I think that he's going to have a, a great breakout year. I think Stefanski, as long as Kevin does exactly what Kevin's supposed to do, call enough running plays to scare defense to make Baker's life easy. If he goes out there and does what he did against the Niners and gives up after nine rushes, it's not going to be favorable. I think Baker has all the opportunity to go out and have a good year, and he has pieces around him that, when used properly, could be very dangerous. But you talk about these young quarterbacks, I mean – Kyler Murray's going to have to go through the Niners, the Seattle Seahawks. Like, There's too many teams in that division that are primed right now to be on winnable teams. And you look at Daniel Jones. I mean, dude, he's going to have to go through Dallas. And then you talk about Philly. And those aren't easy games to play. And even Drew Locke, dude, you're in Kansas City's division. Right. Like, yeah. If you're not better than Patrick Mahomes for two weeks out of the year, don't even plan on winning the West <laughs> Like for the next 10 years. But that's another reason why I look at this and I go, listen, I get the Ravens had a great year. And I was in that offense when it first sparked. So I know how you defeat it. And I think enough teams are eventually going to look at this and go, I get what I'm looking at now. And this is how we're going to stop them. We're going to force them to do more of this. We're going to force them to run more laterally. They want to go north and south. Let's keep them east and west. And however we figure this out, it's going to work. And then you talk about you know Cincinnati. Dude, they're going to be what? Another dreadful team? Probably. Uh, probably. I mean, I mean, four wins maybe. And the Steelers, another one. I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're coming along. They'll have Ben back probably if he doesn't look like Will Ferrell's uncle. But... <laughs> I mean, that's why I'm, I'm giving Baker the 
benefit of the doubt in this that I think he's going to have a breakout year. And hopefully people around that team start to come corral the wagons more. Yeah, it's going to be uh, really interesting to see if Stefanski runs out the Gary Kubiak offense and then even adds more to it than he did with the Vikings. Because I've gotten the sense from talking to some people that Zimmer has this very specific idea of what he wants his offense to be. And Gary can bring him that, which oh, yeah. is you know the, the ground and pound, but then play actions off of it. And he wants to have your eye form and our favorite fullbacks and all those things. <laughs> yeah. But Stefanski pays a lot of attention to other things around the league. And I wonder if he was hamstrung or if he's going to bring the same offense. Either way, Baker Mayfield is a good pick, and it wouldn't even be super stunning if Cleveland finally took that jump and, dare I say, competed for the AFC North. Not a thing you ever really want to put a lot of chips on with Cleveland. Well, they did that last year, and you saw what happened. Yeah, that's true. Uh, You and I will be back on Thursday, Alex. I uh, appreciate your time, man. We'll talk to you then. Get ready, big dog. Alex Boone, if you missed any of the show, go to wherever you get your podcast. Type in Purple Daily. Mackie and Judd with Rami coming up next here on Score North. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Tread. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton, motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.